Shut up. The show's about to start. Stop talking. This is a podcast. <laughs> World's first silent podcast. <laughs> Should have saved that joke. We're going to do Strange Love soon. I have my own comedic timing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Celluloid Breakdown, the podcast where we talk about old movies and complain and talk about stuff. Mainly complain. Yeah, we complain a lot. Uh, so I'm Joey Bonnier. Uh, next to me is Sean Fall. Sean Fall. Uh, across from me is Derek Laporte. Hello. And next to him is Tim Snow. The permanent guest that you love the best. We do. That's true. Mm. We love you all. Okay. So today we watched... Harvey. Harvey. 1950. Yeah. 1950. 1950. 1950. I would have thought it was a bit later than that. No. 1950. Interesting. Right there. Boom. Directed by Henry Coster. Cool. Written by Mary Chase. Correct. Pulitzer Prize winning Mary Chase. Pulitzer Prize winning. Yes. Starring James Stewart, Sorry. Yeah, and including others, Jesse White uh, as the I'm white sorry, slaver. You mean white. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the, you are the white slaver. <laughs> you guys are forgetting Josephine Hull, uh, Huff, right? Yes. Who actually, was that olive oil? Yes. No, uh, she was the Hull. Josephine, Josephine Hull, Hull. Who actually won an Academy Award for this. Whoa. Oh, really? For wow. playing wow. Uh, Aunt Vita. Yes, Aunt really? Vita. Wow. Played it in the stage and apparently played it in a oh. uh, Oscar quality here. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, cool. So what did everybody think about this? Let's go with Sean first. <laughs> I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Okay. Uh, there were a lot of laughs that like, um, I don't want to say held up, but like, were still funny. So, I mean, you know, just a lot of Jimmy Stewart mugging and like, just, you know, his physical comedy throughout the whole thing was fucking great. But then I just love the like golden girls, witty banter fucking like, I just love that, like, you know, uh, that charming sort of passive aggressive digging that kind of happens throughout like most of the first half of the movie. Like everything is like a weird backhanded, like smiling in your face, but calling you a douchebag sort of thing. Just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of great lines in it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Joey, what'd you think? I enjoyed it. Um, it obviously was cringy in uh, many moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Made me feel a little bit uncomfortable in my seat. But uh, a lot of redeeming moments, pretty funny movie, especially for 1950. And even some of the dated references I thought I could kind of get from context clues. So it wasn't that big a deal for me. Um, Got to say, Jimmy Stewart is fucking likable and everything. Yep. He's just so watchable yeah. and likable. Ah, there's nothing he can do wrong. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I got to say, I really like this one. Cool. Yeah. Tim? I also enjoyed it. Uh, I had a I had a good time watching it. Uh, I thought it was the longest Saturday Night Live sketch I'd ever seen. <laughs> um, <laughs> totally gotta true. Say, yeah. Yeah. yeah, gotta back you up on that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, no, I, I I agree with uh, what Joey was saying. Uh, the The thing that carried the movie for me was just watching Jimmy Stewart be Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I this is actually the first Jimmy Stewart movie that I've seen. Really? Ever. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So I, I was I was really taken by his character and like just his his cadence and yeah. stuff like that. And I, I just, yeah, thought it was fun. It's just really charming and inviting. Fun, and like, yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I didn't think it was great. I thought it was fun. Yeah. yeah. It's he's a dude that you don't mind hanging out with. 
Yeah. Like, you know, right. that, that yeah. it's like an episode of Friends or something. Yeah. It's like, you know, the it, it might not be the best thing in the world, but well, it's say, fucking like. What are you like, doing tomorrow night, Sean? Exactly. Yeah. You want to meet me at a bar? <laughs> yeah. It's, that, it's downtown. Would I have a beer with Maine? a guy? And, yeah. He's a guy I'd have a beer with. Um, Yeah. I thought it was pretty good, too. I mean, I, I think that it, I think that it is, um, I mean, I think that it is one of those movies that it's impossible not to smile or like laugh at at least something within it. Yeah. Um, there's a little something for everyone. Yeah. There's something for everyone. And I don't think anybody could come away with this and then go be like, wow, what a piece of garbage. I hated that. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody's ever going to have that reaction to it. Now, well, we'll I find do out think, later when you get to the reviews. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, but at the same time, I think that indifference might be the only reaction to it. Like, yeah. okay, I saw it. It was, it was okay. Mm-hmm. And then move on. But I thought it was. Okay, and then move on. Uh, <laughs> well, you you were the only one that had seen it before, right? How, yes. Was there any change or difference? Not, or? not really. I mean, I saw it so long ago that I didn't really. I remembered a lot of the plot of it, mm-hmm. I guess, but um, not any particular joke. So I was pleasantly surprised by some of the like some of the things that they said and like some of the intelligence behind some of the lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you, we just don't, there's not writing like that much yeah. anymore. Like they, they try to make everything sound too much like people actually talk. Mm. Uh, and I don't know if maybe when people watch this, they were, they didn't feel like they, like people didn't talk like that, but all our, our kind of the thing we see of like people from the fifties now is this, and mm. we don't, you know, we, we're, we're not living in the fifties. So we just assume, we, everyone we assume talks like everybody <laughs> talk like that. Maybe they didn't, maybe that's just a very writerly kind of thing. Cause mm. this and sunset Boulevard are like very snappy with a lot of like yeah. repartee, so to speak. Almost transatlantic, but not quite. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of interesting accents on this one. Yeah. 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 All over the place. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we should uh, get into it a little bit. Uh, the, I mean, the way that this movie kind of unfolds is, is, is I, I think, really sort of fun and interesting where they, like, keep you away from the main character and you, like, experience it sort of through the eyes of the people around him, really, is, like, how we get introduced to Jimmy Stewart and his whole, like, complex situation. But the basically, I mean, the way it breaks down is we got uh, Jimmy Stewart there and uh, he's, he's an invisible rabbit, but his uh, his uh, sister and his niece living with him or living off of him. A six foot uh, tall rabbit, by the way. Well, yeah. Six I mean, foot three and a half. Let's stick to the facts. I think it's three and three yeah. quarters. <laughs> three and a half. Is it three and a half? Six yeah. foot three and a half. Yeah. Either way, big, uh, big white rabbit is, uh, is his drinking companion apparently. Um, but his, uh, his, uh, sister and niece are not exactly fans of the way that this impacts their ability to be socialites. So they try and get him committed to a mental institution. In doing so, his charming ways inspire uh, the people in charge, the doctors, quote unquote, uh, to uh, free him and in prison or, uh, I don't know, it's not imprisoning, but it's uh, yeah, uh, commit. admitting, yeah, committing his sister. Yeah, because yeah. his sister's uh, ramblings make her seem like yes. the insane one, and she also he, sees it sometimes as well. According to, to what she true. says, yeah. Well, later we see when she's looking for money for the taxi, she's going through her purse and she's like pulling out pills and like bottles of shit, and everyone's yes. kind of like looking at her, like, really? right? What, what are you doing with all that? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, it uh, as we go through uh, the movie, we kind of come to find out that. 
well, we see it through many different eyes. Everyone obviously assumes that uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart is crazy to begin with. And then I guess once you drink with Jimmy Stewart long enough and once you are in the presence of Harvey in a drunken state, you can then see him or some sort of inebriated state. That seems to be the general gist of it. Um, but at some point we find out from... Uh, one of my favorite moments, the uh, the white slaver that can barely read is reading the dictionary. Wilson. Uh, yeah, Wilson. Um, they they look up, what is it, puka? Yeah. Which yes, is, puka. Yeah, yeah, they keep calling, uh, uh, or Jimmy Stewart calls Harvey a puka. So they look up what puka is, and it's basically like a, uh, uh, we'll say like a spirit, uh, you know, like a, uh, not a demon, but what's, Celtic thing. Yeah, what, what's like the goodly part of a spirit of like a demon? A is that a sprite fairy? Or, yeah, something in that in that range. But it's like you know some otherworldly thing that comes in and just kind of like you know has fun, hangs out with yeah. you, I guess. Hijinks ensue. Well, he's, yeah. he's mischievous, as he says. Yeah. yeah. So he's uh, you know he's always causing some trubs. Yeah, like the uh, the traveler god, or you know those. Uh, uh, you laughed when Wilson read that and he said Celtic. Why did you laugh for that? Oh, no, I was laughing at the entire concept of how I loved that they, um, like, if someone was to actually go up and pick up a dictionary and read it, there's no reason they would read it out loud. Uh, but because he couldn't read, it made sense that like he would sound out each word and there was like a reason to not just like put gotcha. text on screen or like, right. it was like a nice bit of exposition or like getting around like that idea of like having to have someone in the room to talk to, to explain those things. So I just thought it was like a nice mm -hmm. little like writer's trick to, you know, get us some information without having to be dickish about it. Mm. Well, okay. I laughed for just quick aside. I laughed because I thought that, and I still think that people fuck up this and call it Celtic because oh, of the Boston Celtic. Celtics. Yeah. And in the fifties, obviously, you know, it was maybe the height of that era, you know, Bob Cousy and Bill Russell and that stuff, not the height, but you know, that era. So it seems like that kind of guy, Wilson would know the Boston Celtics, but have no fucking idea what, what a Celtic, Celtic yeah. origin is. So <laughs> that, yeah. it's funny. It's just like, oh, it's perfect. Works on levels, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, we end up with uh, Hart or uh, what is Jimmy Stewart's name in this? Uh, Ed Elwood Dowd. Yeah. So Elwood get, P. Dowd. We get yes. Elwood uh, basically taking everyone out for drinks and kind of everyone falls in love with him. And he's like just a generally swell guy. And uh, well, I guess we, we still try and get him committed, even though we all think he's swell. And then we yeah. have a change of heart because the taxi driver and everyone goes home and Harvey is still his friend. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, so there's a few things. Uh, so the reason why we were called, uh, why, why Sean was calling uh, one of the characters there white slaver <laughs> is because the guy is basically twice referenced as a white slaver by From Ant, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. Vita. Vita, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, yeah. So I had kind of assumed that that meant somebody who, you know, uh, enslaves white people. Uh, but apparently, oh no, uh, yeah, yeah, no. no. Apparently, it's a woman. Okay, so it's the prostitution thing. Yeah, uh, basically, a woman tricked or forced into prostitution. Uh, so it's somebody who tricks a woman into prostitution, mm -hmm. which yeah, seems human. very dark for the movie from that time to have that as a joke. Well, it's what we even. call human trafficking now. Yeah. But I mean, Shanghaiing has always been kind of a joke, like that. You know, we've always sort of. Yeah, that, that's always what a nice comedic element. Uh, yeah. I mean, old timey comedy, like you know, you get oh. smacked over the head, you yeah, get dragged out of the bar, so. you yeah, end yeah, up yeah. on a ship. Like, yeah, that's, that's fair. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. think you're. I think you're right. I think it, it's just very 
Yeah. We're a little bit more it's sensitive to slavery these days. Yeah. Yeah. And this is barely, you know, this is 1950s. So, you know, like it was shot in 49, you know, wrote in probably yeah. 48. And there's the play was probably from 45, you know. Correct. Well, some, I'm guessing. I actually yeah. don't know. Actually, I think it, it is 45, 45 exactly. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched the movie The Whistleblower the other day. White slavery still exists, man. Uh, I saw, by the way, that George Lucas uses this term. Have you, you heard that? Yes. Really? Yeah. He does. I, I, that's the only other time I've actually ever heard this is George mm -hmm. Lucas in a behind the scenes documentary about Star Wars. Talking he about, talks about himself and that way. Disney. He calls yeah. Disney white slavers. Mm. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was weird. It's really weird. That's, an odd that's why they had to own him. All right. Hey. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about, I mean, I don't know. I thought this was said a lot of interesting things about uh, one Elwood's character in general and, and mental illness. Uh, obviously, <laughs> it's a product of 1950 and how they treat mentally ill people is very different than how they treat them today. Mm -hmm. But uh, the story seemed to say at the end that it, it, as long as you're not kind of harming anyone, and it's okay, right? Well, do you think you could treat that like if you were to redo this same story, could you treat it as such a comedy? Like if you, even if we had that same structure was, yeah. where the rabbit is actually real in the end, could you get away with like everyone laughing at what is considered mental illness? At I this agree. Point? <laughs> I thought about this a few times during the movie, and especially, and I kind of want to bring this up later too because of the music. And I thought the music did a really great job of kind of keeping it light, keeping it light, <laughs> making sure we're not right. getting too dark yeah. here. It's kind of funny. We're yeah, looking yeah. at a guy kind of losing his mind, but uh, okay, it's funny. Uh, exactly. And I was like, okay, okay, I get it. Um, all right, I feel awkward laughing, but all right, I'll do. I'll go with it. That's kind of how I felt. I was just like, I feel awkward. There's a lot of moments where I did feel awkward and cringy. Obviously, we'll get to those other parts later, but I don't know. I thought the movie gave you did a good job of giving you permission to laugh at it. It did, like, but I still felt 1950s permission to laugh. And I don't. I mean, by the end, you're kind of justified in everything. So, like, you know. How so? Well, because I mean, by the end, we find out that the rabbit is essentially real. And do you like, think the rabbit's real? Um, no, we don't. Yeah, I, I, I have a bit of a differing opinion on that. I don't know if we so find you, out. I mean, the the doors opening basically is okay. when I kind of just switch to assuming that the rabbit was real. Mm. Yeah, it, it's. When, I mean, when the when at the end, when the fucking rabbit opens the gate, like the fucking lever of the gate opens. That was the like, craziest. Yeah, that really. The other doors, I thought, might be in the heads of the. Beholder, you know. So every time we're just with one person and Harvey, we're in their perspective. I thought that we were it's just possible. We were just with uh we were only with James Stewart in that scene. Yeah, exactly. Well, except you for know? that one moment where we yeah. are with the doctor. Thought, and I the doctor is followed by Harvey, and Harvey yeah. does open those doors. Yeah, but yeah. if they're if, but, if but it's we're the shared only delusion. with the doctor. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. I think at that point think, it is yeah, the doctor's think, POV, so he sees Harvey and he's I, I think the problem the problem with it is is that it, for so much of it, it's told from like a third person perspective. Mm. Like you're outside out of it. Yeah. You never, you never jump into somebody's head like that. And so to have two instances where you do, while it also kind of lends itself to being a little more interesting that way, it also does kind of make it a little more problematic. I in the guess sense that you. you you don't know what I kind of thought like, you know, the, the movie was funny in a fifties way. I would agree with Joey. Uh, but I kind of saw it as like an interesting commentary on who is and isn't sane. Quote, oh, yes. quote. oh, that's yeah. obvious. Yeah. And yeah. with the, with the, you know, single perspective, uh, 
Harvey instances where the doors were opening by themselves and stuff like that. I kind of thought that we were being brought in on the delusion, you know, and, I, and yeah, you know, sense. like the film itself is trying to fool us into believing that Harvey's real. Sure. I agree. I, I mean, yeah. I can certainly see it either way. I mean, I can see it as like that sort of, you know, spirituals, folktale, these things are actually real and these things are actually among us. You just have to be tapped into it to see it in sort of like a pre-hippie-ish sort of way. Or, you know, it can be the the commentary on the delusion. I mean, this is all pre-Reagan when we actually did like, uh, you know, lock people up for being crazy and yeah. chase them around with butterfly nets and shit. Mm. Right. It's interesting, too, because all of the like we're led to believe kind of all of the people in the bar have come to accept it. They've either come to accept yeah, yeah. his delusion or, or the, regu- the bar regulars, to- except yeah, for that one. Well, I mean, yeah. The bartender has that great line. What is it like? Uh, is he uh, when they come in and ask if uh, if Jimmy Stewart is alone and he says that's like that's a matter of opinion or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's right. just kind of like recognizing right. that like, you know, he's our dude and he comes in here, he spends money. He's a great guy. I don't he, know. Yeah, <laughs> he's always buying two drinks instead of one. I, so, I would love to be the bartender, the money. right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and the other guy, like the the ran, like earlier in the movie, there's the random guy sitting at the end of the bar, and he's just kind of a dick, and he's like, the guy at the end will pay for it. And Jimmy Stewart's like, yeah, he'll be glad to. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, you know, that's a type of guy that a bartender would love, certainly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to jump with the music here, but the music really to me also sells a lot of the perspective stuff. And also uh, we only really hear a lot of the music when we see Jimmy Stewart on screen. And when we see Elwood, we see, we hear a little bit of it for transitional purposes and other places for just kind of keeping the tension and momentum. But the music is really meant for Harvey and Elwood and that's it. And I think that sells a lot of the perspective stuff. So it's like, we're meant to kind of feel and be immersed in the way he's feeling. That music's trying to make us feel a little bit insane, a little bit flighty, if you will, hmm. the way the kind of the, and that's that you can hear it, like the kind of the strings kind of, you know, arching up these like flighty, quick, yeah, it's a more happy whimsical, string. very whimsical. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great word for it, honestly. And that's true. It, it, it's looking at it in almost a, um, a harmless way. Yeah. A very, a very happy kind of childlike innocence. Totally, and that that really does sell it, as opposed to man, this guy is hallucinating. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is like probably a prime candidate for like one of those recuts or where they do like the re-edit or the uh, uh, make the trailer where it turns out to be a horror movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like with a little bit of change of music and a little bit of editing, you could, I think, definitely turn this into a completely opposite perspective. I also yeah. loved. Uh, when I get her name again, uh, Aunt Vita, but I'm going to write, what's her name mm. again? Uh, Josephine, Josephine Hull. Hull. Yeah. Uh, she reminded me actually kind of, I know this is mean, but of John Stewart's impression of Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> hello, hello. Uh, way over the top. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know who she reminded me of? She reminded me of Nathan Lane's character oh, in The Bird King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I also thought my, the Monty Python, um, Life of Brian's mm. mother, you know, the, the woman is always yeah. in drag. Uh, and it was horrible. But the, um, I don't know, I thought she was fantastic. I can see how she got an Oscar. She's yeah. really good. She's she has just, to do more than anybody else because yeah. she has to, while she has to not believe in it and believe in it at yeah. the same time. And she goes back and forth. And back and forth. Yeah, she's good. And a lot of like, yeah. And I mean, she gets the big kind of transition near the end where she has to like want him to get this thing and then not want it. 
not want him to change. And, you know, I also thought at the beginning, I was kind of annoyed at the first scene because it reminded me, honestly, of Paths of Glory, this long expository dialogue <laughs> scene, which is complicated blocking. Just people <laughs> yeah, walking around. Yeah. Oh, someone's entering, someone's exiting. Let's circle. Okay, here. You're talking about the you. setting of the table? Yes. Yeah. I yeah. really like that. It literally yeah. was setting the table. Yeah. But I mean, okay, I get what you're doing. Um, it just got a little frustrating after a little while. That's all. It, w- it was a little like uh, French farce in the door, out the door sort of thing. Yeah. But I did really like it just generally in the movie, the like wide shots and like staying on that and letting the blocking do the work rather yeah. than like going crazy. I mean, they had some movement, but like it was still, you know, kind of there. As far as expository dialogue goes, okay, pretty good. You know, well mm. done. At least you kept it kind of interesting to look at and- I don't know. Yeah. It had the little squeaky things whenever she entered, so it was kind of made it, you know, the sound design kind of broke up that little horrible tension and made it repetitious well, I think and funny. also it sold the fact that the house was old. Yeah. That's oh, what yeah, I got from true. that too, the squeaky yeah. floors. And later, later she says, we live in an old house. Mm. And that that's was just re- reaffirming that, which we already knew from the squeaky floor. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, we're, <laughs> we're still talking about the acting, I guess. So, uh, what, yeah. Jimmy Stewart, man. God, <laughs> what a guy. He's really good. He's really good. Yeah. God, why is he so good? I don't think anyone else could do it's this. It's called charisma. So, Can anyone else be pull this off? I don't think so. And there's no modern day equivalent of him, really. No. Uh, I don't think. I mean, there was a brief moment when I would say Jim Carrey would have been capable of doing it. I can kind of um, see that. But there, he had like, his early career was way too crazy, but mm-hmm. like right around his like man in the moon sort of phase. Truman I Show, think, maybe. Yeah, yeah, Truman Show era. I think he would have been capable of doing it. Now he's fucking nuts yeah, as a loon, but yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's that physical comedy, but like also knowing like the intellectualness behind what's going on there too. There's yeah. like so many levels he that it's playing He keeps it pretty with. subtle though. Yeah. Jim Carrey's so over the top, but Jim, Jimmy Stewart can do like a, a little wink. And yep. that's and that oh, just, the, yeah, yeah. Like one wink sells the scene sometimes. Yeah, there's like wide shots where like the ant is on the phone in the foreground and he's just like mugging like right next to the camera, yeah. just like intent and listening to every word. And like, you can see like yeah. every single word registering on his face Mm -hmm. it's you know everyone thinks of like acting as like saying the lines but it's like reacting to what else is going around you and that's you know kind of where he shined is like where he's just and it's even more incredible to know too that he's because he hadn't just been through like these scenes in the movie he had actually done this before when when it was a play Mm -hmm. so so you're yeah. seeing him probably have done this like I don't even know how many times by the totally. time it's the, there and you, that's that's still all there. Uh, that is one of the that is not things. done enough anymore. No, uh, it's not. I mean, if you like think about that, like if you could make a movie where your actors had done this for night after night for how many months and they like knew these characters inside and out, had experimented with every way they could play these characters and like hone that craft. I mean, the way that we make movies now, you get like fucking a day with them. And like, it's, um, yeah. it's, it's one of the reasons I'm sorry to say, I keep going back to it. I love the West Wing. Um, mm. The West Wing was the only TV show where they really did this. They had table reads, they had rehearsals, they actually had the actors come. Sorry. I know. Sorkin again. Here we go. I know. Okay. Second I'm sorry. Sorkin. This is not. <laughs> but he did. He let the yeah. actors literally rehearse. He comes from that stage play Theater, kind yep. of thing, and he would cast the yeah. same actors and, he knew. And, and, and that's great. It's great for them knowing the character because they're going to know the character. Uh, the thing, the thing that I think becomes important when, a, when they do that much uh, work with it, that they do have that listening skill. Yeah. Because if, if 
true. A lot of times instead, instead uh, actors, when they're kind of new, they'll have an idea that I got to get this line right. Mm -hmm. That'll be their concept is I got to get this line. It needs to be said this way for it to be right. Mm -hmm. And then they'll try and emulate that. And once they get that, then they'll just do that over and over and over, which yeah. ends up very like It's not bad. acting. It's trying to repeat what you did. Right. Yeah. And and so he doesn't do that. And I the another thing, because I, I saw an inter interview with him from, I think it was uh, uh, 88 or 89, um, where he was talking about this specific role. He So, because uh, he looks up to Harvey, who is, Harvey's supposed to be about six three and a half, as mm -hmm. we said, uh, which Jimmy Stewart's six three. <laughs> so, uh, so he, he said that he had to imagine Harvey was like six eight mm -hmm. for that. So basically Harvey in this movie is essentially six six foot eight inches tall. Okay. So he'd be played by Shaq in the remake. Right. Shaq's right. seven feet, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's I mean, I'm if I forgive you for he, I, I, just he forgetting can go that dwarf close. on golf. He can go like <laughs> kneel in his shoes. Yeah. But uh Jimmy Stewart also said I, I guess this is one of those uh one of those roles that he loved playing the most, kind mm. of. And um and he said that years after doing this, he would be walking on the street and like somebody would come up to him and say to him, hey, hey, is Harvey with you? <laughs> like they would ask him that. And he would be like, no, no, you know, Harvey's, Harvey's, uh, Harvey, you know, he's, he's at home right now. He's, he's taking a bath. And they're like, oh, well, well, tell him, tell, send him our best, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it. I Clearly, get the feeling that Stuart was just kind of like always this guy. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. No doubt. And, and I, want, yeah, I wonder if this is closest to him personally, this character. It, it and it could be. I mean, it's it's very much like uh, it comes off real genuine. Uh, and I feel like he's probably the most genuine of the guys because you never hear anything about him which sounds like the dude wasn't like mm -hmm. yeah. a you know genuine. Um, yeah, there's tons of skeevy Hollywood history, and none of it really involves you him. You know, his character kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, I, Tim. I think is reading this book right now. It reminds me a little bit of Prince Mishkin and the Idiot. Yeah, actually, there's yeah. a quality of that because uh, it's kind of this uh, this guy who's kind of considered a fool, kind yeah. of a bit because Prince Mishkin starts off coming from like affably uh, ignorant. Yeah, and though like at the, the same jerk time, like or Forrest Gump. Uh, no, it, it's, it's more like, uh, uh, cause there's a wisdom to it, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause in, you know, in the jerk, he's just an idiot yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, that's what's funny, things, but, yeah. uh, it's no, more the, like, like simple. Or... The, yeah. Kind of like, uh, Folksy as if wisdom, he's a character sort of... in, in pursuit of a higher ideal than anything, uh, uh the people like around him are aware sort of. of. Approach. No. To, uh, to quote, no, I don't disagree credit. with you. I just like, <laughs> so, so, um, basically, uh, Dostoevsky had said, positively good and beautiful man he wanted to do a write the book about uh uh someone who was kind of the opposite of what he wrote before which was somebody who was kind of like selfish and stuff so like an actual selfless guy there's also the fact that both of them are are seemingly kind of wealthy i would say because uh that's both another thing uh both mishkin and oh, the okay. character in this independently uh, wealthy Dowd. like they don't independently have to wealthy. Work. they, they don't have dish to do it anything. out they, well, that's what wealthy is. If you're working, well, you're not wealthy. I yeah, guess. he doesn't have to. <laughs> that's fair. Well, yeah, you and can be also, working and rich. Yeah, but and, not wealthy. No. And also, it's from. Uh, it's actually an inheritance, if I'm not mistaken, right? It, they yeah, say that it at was the beginning. The, yeah, it was like they, the uh, the grandmother or the aunt that died and left him all the money, but left not him everything because oh, yeah, right. she died in his arms. And how do you make a will after you die in the arms? 
Right. And then it became a point later in the movie because they were talking about the fact that uh, the sister wanted him committed to get all of the stuff. That mm. was what the guy was basically saying uh, to get a hold of the checkbook, I think. Well, just to get, I mean, to, to get all the money in the house yeah. and everything. Yeah, right. like, yeah. yeah the estate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if we were going to uh, cast it today, could we? <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's very tough because you need two titans to play these two huge roles. Yeah, um, we'd have to like have a Meryl Streep ch- kind of character for Vita. What about would we Cranston? Would maybe, Meryl Streep be able to pull that off? No, no, she not at all. Older, first of all, mm. well, she's uh, also a little too muted. I would say. You're right. Maybe you, you know because you really need somebody larger than life. Yeah, to be able to like a Betty White or something. Maybe, but even even Betty White, you know, she's kind of she's glib. Betty White, yeah, you know, her strength is is that that could do this, you know. But I think you're right something. with the Golden Girls. I one of the Golden Girls could have done this. Yeah, maybe uh, Estelle Getty. Maybe mm. be Arthur possibly in her prime. It, I mean, well, sounds like we're casting you know, it Arthur, in like the nineties. Honest, honestly, prime. like 1987, be Arthur. I can see be Arthur doing this. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. Uh, who can do Jimmy Stewart though? Fuck. I don't think anyone. I really. I'm, I'm going to suggest yeah. Cranston. It's um, not a bad call. It's, Maybe a Tom Hanks. Not, it's not. Yeah, a Hanks, Tom Hanks. Sort of, I, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Cranston's not bad. You know, because like it's, it's got to be someone that just oozes charisma. Like when you see them on screen, you want to see more of them. But Cranston's yeah. like too, almost too sane. I know that sounds weird, but I mean, you know, you go back to the Malcolm in the Middle stuff. Like he's got yeah, that he's sort goofy. of like yeah. He's always been, and then he, and then Seinfeld, he was goofy. Yeah. But I mean, you know, he can do physical, he can do serious, and he can kind of like find that line between them. It's close. It's not perfect, but it's the closest thing I can come up with. Paul Rudd. That's not a bad pick either. You know, that's not a bad, he's got to be older, but not a bad pick. I don't know. You're saying no? The only reason I put Paul Rudd is because he's in uh, Our Idiot Brother, which is playing basically the same kind of character, essentially. Except for it's bad. (laughs) Except it's bad. Yeah, it's bad, but- Nothing against you, Paul. I know you listen. If If Adam Sandler did the remake, then Paul Rudd would be okay. But, uh, <laughs> if Adam Sandler, <laughs> no. all right, so Adam Sandler no. would have to play Vita <laughs> in drag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, playing an old woman character. Yeah. We got to get Pacino in there then. Yeah. Yep, Pacino's got to be. You know, so Pacino's going to be the lawyer, or is he going to be? He's the judge. Uh, the, no, no, he's the doctor. J- judge. That's oh, weird yeah, to me. No, by or the, the doctor. Way, no, he's the judge. You're yeah. right. He's the judge? judge? Yeah. Yeah. He'd be the judge. Oh, he's making Why all those is the weird judge noises? her representative? That's also weird. Because that's the, who they know. The judge is essentially a lawyer in this yeah. because she's yeah, like, he's, he's, file this he thing for me. He draws up charges. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is not legally. I thought, uh, yeah. <laughs> when you're wealthy and you're connected and you know judges, you just call judges rather than calling lawyers. Yeah. I, guess so. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, this, this is beat around the bush. Writing yeah. in the 50s a little bit, some yeah. of the dialogue yeah. in this. Also, uh, is, is, is uh, Mr. Cracker, who's the bartender, is his Uncle first Cracker? name Charlie? Oh. Because it's Charlie's bar. Yeah. Charlie's place. Mr. Cracker Charlie's just place. works at Charlie's place. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was the impression I got. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just yeah. named Charlie's because that's the name of it. Yeah, Charlie okay. actually never makes an appearance there. <laughs> Dang. There were a few guys. moments where it seemed like I was in the fantasy world, but that, that uh, Jimmy Stewart's character was only calling everyone Mr. Cracker. I was just imagining a world where he just called everyone Mr. Cracker, and mm-hmm. that was his thing, <laughs> and it was wonderful. Uh, just for that little fleeting moment. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> uh, okay, what else we got? We can't cast any more. You want to cast any more, guys? No. No. Nah. Well, okay. I mean, as far as 1950, 
it's an interesting i mean we just did sunset boulevard which i believe was 1950 am i wrong uh no you're correct it's all the same. you're not, it's, not right it's a bit where they're all right in the same goddamn pocket <laughs> yeah, you know right yeah uh, that post-world war ii era yeah um and again yeah we're t- we talked already about the mental illness part about this and how we treat them but i mean it's uh Okay, I guess we got to talk about the yeah. All right, uh, uh, the way the way that Mr. Wilson uh, conducts himself is mm. uh, definitely places this in a specific historical context. Oh, he would be Jack Black. Jack oh. Black. Agreed. Okay. <laughs> that's not a bad call. I was a little a little too excited about that, but yeah, mm, yeah you know, not a bad call. We'll be fine. I don't know, were you guys as when you see a movie and you know it's from a specific era, does it bother you when you see things that are anachronistic and obviously problematic, as Derek said? Or are you just kind of be like, hey, it's from the era. I, I know how you feel, Sean. I know you <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I was really asking these two. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 to some extent, I can feel like, oh, that's from the era. It depends on what it is. You know, there's some, there's some movies which aren't worth giving that benefit of the doubt for, you know, and like, <laughs> saying that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. because a movie should be also timeless. You should be able to watch it, you know, hundred years from now and you're not going to be like, uh, you're going to be like, well, there's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that you wince at, you know? Well, I think that's what qualifies a movie to be classic. I don't Mm -hmm. know that that's what qualifies a movie to be good or even great. Um, you know, a movie can be great in its time, but not withstand the test of time. I think historical context has a lot to do with whether a movie is great. I think that's the difference between a movie that's maybe good and great. You could have a good movie that, but, but to be a real great movie, it it has to. Semantics. Well, not really. Uh, (laughs) Not really. It's, it's a matter of like uh, a film that, you know, uh, I would recommend as like, I would say, okay, you have to watch this before you die kind Mm -hmm. of thing, as opposed to, uh, if you got time, you don't need to watch Harvey before you die. No. For instance, you can die without this. You can, you die, can die without, without Harvey. You can yes. die without it. Harsh. I mean, it's a yeah. good movie, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's fun. Yeah. It was fun. You can die without yeah. Paz of Glory. You can. No, you can. No, no. no. All right. Yes, so you can. See, we got a diversion. Right. A little yeah. bit of a conflict. There. Should conflict. That. Should see that. Should yeah. see it you before know, you die. As Jimmy Stewart die. says, it you know shows everybody's engaged. Yes. Yes. And you know what? I got to be honest. This has got some really important messages too. Um. Just the, just the, what, making you think about how you treat someone with mental illness in your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, that's an important thing. Or, and not only mental illness, but, uh, you know, your mother, your father, your grandfather, your grandmother, they're going to get dementia. You know, they're going to get old. And how do we treat them? We put them in a home? Do we let, you know? Do, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it does bring up important topics that are still relevant today. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It makes okay. a decent statement on so, the value of reality as well. Since we mm-hmm. were making mention of the fact that <laughs> this was the same year as Sunset Boulevard, they actually actually competed against each other at the Oscars, Ah. uh, 23rd Academy Award Oscars. So, uh, yeah, Vita won out. Uh, yeah, Vita, Vita won in the battle of the old ladies and in best supporting actress was Norma Uh, nominated. She must have been nominated nominated for best actress, I believe. So wouldn't have been actually up, up against each other, but, uh, but still, but still, but still, but still, but still, (laughs) still, but still, yeah, that's all I got wait, for who that. Won, wait, who, uh, won, who won Best Picture that year? Uh, all About Eve won Best Picture, mm-hmm. so uh, neither of these won Best Picture, interesting. which tells you again that the Academy Awards is a farce. So, oh, uh oh, here we go. Here we go. It's always it, it, 
The Academy Awards is not for Hollywood. The Academy Awards is for the people out there in the middle of Iowa, getting them excited to go and spend their money at the theater. How it, many people watch? with that. How many people watch the nineteen like twenty nine Academy Awards? They well, they didn't have TVs, so Correct. they. <laughs> so, but they, how many people watched the nineteen thirty five no, Academy they, Awards? They read about it in the papers. They saw it in the newsreels yeah. when they went to the theaters. It was you know something that was a, a shared cultural experience, and it was. I mean, you I know. think it's transitioned to that. Yeah, that's certainly. the problem. It, it it started as something legitimate, and now it's just uh, uh, it hasn't show been any, on yeah. TV. Uh, Looking at Edward Bernays. Uh, when uh, his book Propaganda basically goes into all of this. But it was like the original Academy Awards were literally designed as a commercial for Hollywood. That Mm -hmm. is why they put them on. I mean, these people were all like really kind of – uh, underpaid, you know, these were all contract people that were, you know, fucking like the star system. And in those days when they first started that, it was kind of like the way that we treat musicians right now, where like the company owns everything that they do and they let them like live in houses and have big, you know, fancy cars, but the musicians don't actually own any of this stuff. It's all owned by the studios. And that was kind of like how that's the star system was back then. These people were like, you know, kind of lauded, but they were never like actually, you know, powerful. It's kind of transitioned since then, but it was always like putting these people on parade and making them dance for the public. It was also hosted by Fred Astaire in, mm. in, uh, 1951. Wow. Yeah. Good for him. So I'm there's sure a chance Fred. that he gave you know? the, he gave the, <laughs> he needed a, a good one. Uh, yeah. You yeah. Don't need a little, need everybody a wants to give Fred Astaire a leg up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. He probably, good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You couldn't see, but I winked. Oh, yeah. You can't see it. Oh, we, you joke even snapped with listen, your man, man, we knew but you I, winked. I winked. Yeah. So jokes like that are not jokes that are in this film. They're a little better than that. Yeah. Right? Oh, you one say, would suppose. Yeah. I, I appreciate that you gave me nuts. I gave him a fist bump. Uh, yeah, because yeah, he, he agreed with it, but even though he was a little butthurt. But that's okay. <laughs> Slightly butthurt, but still agreed with the comment. Uh, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself. Yeah. It's true. So what out what else about historical context? Do we have any others? I mean, this is did, not a okay, let me war look. film. <laughs> no, but I did okay, I'll give you one more uh, thing about this. I did okay. tie it to Paths of Glory with the trauma aspect. Mm-hmm. I thought this was pretty goddamn impressive that they used the word trauma, spelled it out in the script. Yes. You know, where the other movie called it shell shock and they didn't really go into it and really they kind of, I mean they barely touched on it, but this was really like Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about it. Like during the movie when he spells it out, I thought he was just being a dick. But like literally with the historical context, the idea of trauma being No one a knows thing. what the fuck trauma is in 1950. Well, you yeah. know, this is after World War II and a lot of soldiers are coming home and people are really realizing how horrible World War II was. And yeah, not apparently, just soldiers, everyone, all the civilians obviously impacted too. Apparently also the trauma of being born being a thing. Yeah. Mm. That's the one that never leaves you. That's, that is. Yeah, that's, that's a tough the, one. Yeah. It's a tough one. <laughs> that's that's in the movie. That's the reason why we're quoting that just to bring the oh, listener in. Yeah. 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 It's a I, good movie. I, I good would hope back. if you're listening to this, you've seen it because this is nothing Hopefully. with spoilers. Yeah. 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 Spoilers from the beginning it. of this thing. Yeah. Who would listen to a podcast about Harvey prior to seeing it? <laughs> it might be fun. <laughs> you know, know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I want to see what I'm going to research <laughs> Harvey <laughs> <laughs> and listen to a podcast that's probably going to end up north of an hour. I mean, I, there's, there's people probably right now like d- about to tune out and say, hey, this is not about Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> this is not. I haven't a... heard a single thing about the case. <laughs> it has a lot of Me Too stuff, though. So you know. it, does. Yeah, it does. It does. Some of the cringier parts. 
Yeah, uh, some of the cringier parts. Yeah, there's um, some. I, yeah, I didn't really understand mm. Myrtle May's character after that scene. Let's talk about that before I get to my yeah. little bitch. Here. That's historical. Oh, I shouldn't have even said that. Damn. Well, I, it's, I was talking about a not topic. exactly the wokest really... of moments. Mm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Def- and you know what? That's very uh, appropriate. Uh, you know, I was not uh, PC there. And then the movie was not PC. Um, let's talk about to her. Why? What was her motivations in these in this movie? To get a man. I'll tell you what it was um about mm, a third uh, i guess a third of the way through the movie they realize okay we've got this character and we don't know what to do with her let's give her something and that's pretty much it she's just then suddenly attracted to well, this guy okay to give the movie man credit nearby. in being horrible yeah uh, they did build this a little bit in the earlier yeah. scenes. So they did kind of build it. Oh, I can't get a man, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm having trouble. Yeah. Oh, they definitely, it was oh, yeah. all those, like those sly little smiling jabs. Like that was all the beginning building up about like how the aunt was like pitying her and like trying to set her up with like everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. and like mm-hmm. no one wanted her. And she was like this kind of ugly olive oil sort of figure that like, I you thought know. she was pretty. But is it is it worse when uh, it's premeditated? I, she was picked, <laughs> you know? uh, perhaps. Yeah. It, it's worse that they're planning it in her character to be subservient than just try to find a man. Oh, I mean, that style at the time. Uh, yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mamie Cringe. Uh, there was a lot of, and obviously the scene where he first saw her and- Oh my God! Yeah. Okay, Mr. Wilson. First of all, this the, this the, motherfucker. You're talking about this creepy rape corner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He has a problem in general, on top of all of his rape shit, with personal space. Yes. yes. My he's man a close yes. needs to. Yes, he's a close talker, and I hate those people. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn those people. Yeah. Okay. He did it with also Jimmy Stewart. Yep. I was really uncomfortable. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. do it to Jimmy Stewart. Back off, Jimmy Stewart. Okay. Stewart was cool about it. Yeah. Anywho. Um, <laughs> It was awkward, and it was awkward for a good minute, and it felt like I was stewing in my seat for a little too long. Mm. Uh, yeah. That scene where he's pushing her up against the How wall. How do you think I did, that yeah, played originally? I don't know. I think maybe it did make them uncomfortable, hopefully. I hope. I don't know. I don't know either. Don't was know. that just normal human interaction? Was that just- Good God, it was awkward. Like, I mean, would it be in the movie if it was just normal? Like, I feel like it's there to make you think something, but I mean, obviously history and hindsight and all. I think we. I think that audience would just think he's being a Casanova. He's, yeah. hey, well, this is what guys do when they see gals. So he's courting. He's yeah. courting, and he he's also peacocking. physically assaults her off screen. Yeah. That's assumed. <laughs> yeah, she what screams as soon as they. <laughs> well, you guys had no frame. idea. <laughs> I'd like to discuss the egg and onion sandwich, but I. I yeah, that's a little weird. Too. He also what turns down. Heck? What did he turn down? Ham and rye. Yep. Turned down yeah. ham and rye yeah, for yeah. an egg and onion. Maybe Ugh. he's Jewish. I would Wait, like to oh, try okay. an egg and onion. <laughs> you would? Yeah. Just egg to say onion? I've done it. I assume it's no. egg salad. You know what I will is say? Is it just that egg is and onion? A, a or is it egg salad and onion? I assume it's egg salad. There's probably oh, some mayo in there. Yeah. That is a yeah. quick See, egg that and makes onion. sense. She made the egg she real quick. Well, if it's egg fish. salad, then that makes sense. Well, they probably yeah. had, you know, hard-boiled Pre-made. eggs left over from, mm-hmm. you know, that's, uh. they have servants and whatnot. So, like, she could still slice the fuck out of an onion. The yeah. whole idea of her just making the guy a sandwich in two seconds is yeah. so fucked up, too. Yeah. God, it's right into that's every what women do. typical stereotype. <laughs> I mean, it has to be a sandwich, too. Could I mean, we're anything. I couldn't understand why she wanted to feed him initially. I thought she was trying to keep him in the house until, like, the police got there. Oh, no. She was trying to keep him. Ugh. Just trying to keep him. Yeah. Keep a man. Myrtle, keep a man. man. You can that, do uh, that doughy, uh, uh, illiterate bastard. Is, yeah, she can do Again, it, it has to do with the problem of like you, you have also 
uh, her mom, who is constantly yeah. like referring to this guy as a white slaver and trying to beat him. And of course, they have like this history of things. So it's not going to work out. It led to well, comedy. It led to know, some funny moments. But where there, she there's, kind of there's, there's also that sort of um, forbidden fruit aspect. So yeah. like, you know, it is a, a very- For her, sure. Right, right. So I mean, that's just a very common thing for like, you know, your parents tell you, you can't date this person. Yeah, and that's what, exactly Sean, who I you- kind of agree. And I think that actually, <laughs> if they introduced it like that afterwards, it's yeah, just yeah. a forbidden, like teenage, you yeah, know, for yeah. taboo love. Okay, but if they if they just skipped that rape scene, no, it was just, just a know? dude that hit on her and she was smitten. Like, I, well, I think it was just you know she had been beaten down so much, not physically beaten, but like emotionally beaten down by her mother and like all of these other dudes rejecting her. That like a dude coming in and saying, "Hey, what's up, pretty lady?" She's just like, "Oh, okay, let's fuck." Yeah, because that's how women think. I'm sure that's the right. Uh, I, no, I, mean, I, I don't know anything about women. Well, but, well, the, but <laughs> I wasn't also, commenting on you. Like the movie. It, it was written by a woman. That's this, amazing. That's that is really amazing. It was. So, Holy shit, I yes. forgot that. So don't <laughs> Holy, forget that, guys. Holy shit. I wonder so, what that means. It's kind of like- the, the, It means you they know, condoned it. All right, let's well, like philosophical. Yeah. I was watching like an uh, Elaine May movie uh, the other night uh, called A New Leaf. Mm. And it had kind of uh, kind of this thing where I was like, uh, where I had to keep reminding myself, okay, this was actually written by a woman <laughs> because there were a few times in which you're like, you're like, wow, that's really like, oh, okay, well, I guess- should that justify things, though? Yeah. Well, I, what kind of stories I'm not were saying no, it necessarily just Hollywood allowing to be written at the time? Well, you know, yeah. I mean, actually, at that time, Elaine May could have wrote whatever she wanted. Uh, we're talking. She she's one of the people who like wrote Birdcage. Oh yeah. Um. Mm. So uh, that was a few years after it. She also wrote Ishtar, um, mm. which is actually better than people give it credit for. But that's is it as good as Reptar? Uh, I have no clue what you're talking about. Rugrats. Yeah. Oh, okay. Reptar, Reptar. I got to find that Reptar. I, I got it. I, I can't see believe that you I watched, watched that. Yeah. <laughs> Rugrats. Yeah. Okay. I got to catch up on my Rugrats. Yeah, that's more like Joey and I. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, well, it's okay. Watching kid shows when you're like 20? I had long, young siblings. All right. Well, um, I hear you. You were for making them, for forcing them to watch that? Uh, well, you. you guys are going to love this. You guys are going to love this episode. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Nickelodeon is my jam. <laughs> you guys ever seen Hey Dude? Yeah. Yeah, I love Hey Dude. Hey Dude's awesome. Yeah. Okay. You're short. <laughs> Don't rewatch it. Just yeah, yeah. imagine yeah, that Hey Dude is awesome. Let it, let it, Don't yeah. ever you know, go back. It is not awesome. Yeah. Don't yeah, go back. Think about it in your brain. As we, we learned exactly. that great point. last episode with uh, Sancho the Bailiff, I believe. Uh... No, no, no. Last episode with Paz of Glory. Oh. Sand Show, you can rewatch it and it's always going to be great. Mm. Paz, Paz of, of Glory. Glory, nah. Yeah. It gets nah. progressively worse. Although, see it once, maybe see it twice. Okay. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Just not thrice. Just not thrice. Yes. No, see it once and then wait 10 years, see it later, then see realize Sand how Just see it before you die. Show according. The All right. Yeah, see so, it before uh, you die, according to Joey. Speaking of Both things of according to me, let's Joey's talk about corner. my favorite sound. <laughs> and now Joey's glissando corner. Mm. Okay, so there's definitely lots of glissandos, but we'll get to those. Uh, music by Frank Skinner. I thought there was some great uh, little motifs. Uh, Harvey had his own little four-note motif. Uh, it was pretty nice. What, what's that little, what are you making fun of me for? Uh, you just said motif. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Is that okay? We enjoy no. your verbiage, Joey. Yeah. I'm, we I'm always learn something. It. Yeah. Oh, I can't tell if you're you being sarcastic now. 
All right, I'm going to continue no as though you're not and being genuine and sweet. I'm just going to assume the best, just like Jimmy Stewart. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, what'd I, you have in mind? I loved the use of Chopin uh, and the use of waltzes, specifically his waltz, uh, number 62, I think it was. And I, that was, hmm. I'll have to check that. But very quick little uh, virtuoso flourishes on the piano, you know, symbolize a lot of insanity and a lot of. Uh, you know, but the whimsical insanity, the fun kind, you know, the kind that uses major chords. Mm. So I thought that was really nice. Uh, I loved the gypsy jazz style, the lounging Racist. music in the, wait, no, that's just the style, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and the organ that was playing in the bar. It was cool. It was chill. And it represented kind of like, you know, how Jimmy Stewart's real goal was to just be in that bar with Harvey and to just you know, mix it up with the, and yuck it up with people. And it was like, I don't know, it just made me feel at home. I loved that. I love being there. I don't know. Um, the thing I found most notable is that every bar he went into did not have an blasting behind everything. That's a good point. Yeah, Bars would be much more delightful these days if they didn't. You're going in the, no, it's yeah. just Los Angeles. Los yeah. Angeles there's doesn't have a single bars. good bar in it. There's a few hipster bars. I mean, there's the Burgundy Room, but. That's another podcast. <laughs> Let's not give them a plug. Uh, okay. Uh, some nice glissandos when the old woman's being taken away up and down the scale. It leads again to a little bit of an insanity kind of thing. Oh, she's being pulled away. She's crazy, blah, blah, blah. But it also adds tension. So I, glissando did double duty there. I know you guys hate that. Double them, duty glissandos. It did two things there. Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. What else do I want to talk about my music here? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's some music, great ADR, but I did lose some lines. I thought the dialogue was a little yeah. messy. I, there was just, and I think the ahead. copy we were watching might've been a little bit off because there were like, there were times where it felt like there was like a full real change where, yeah, like the, where sound the presence like, changed well, completely exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in the yeah. middle of a scene, like they'd yeah. be in the middle of a word and things would just completely shift. So I wasn't talking about those specific moments. Yeah. There was two or three of those. You're right. I think maybe you're right. Was maybe changing the reel or something. Well, I, I mean, when they, well, when they, when they do the digitization, digitization of these things, they basically cobble together the pieces of the best remains of these films. So you have to remember that like when these films were actually distributed, they would do like first run, second run, third run theaters, they would send these rolls of film out, mm -hmm. you know, constantly on tour and they'd get destroyed. So like the number of actual prints that we have, most of them are good here, but bad here and good mm -hmm. here, but bad here. So you take them and cobble them together. So for the listener, the amount of effort put into the restoration of this film is the amount of effort one should put into watching this film before they die. <laughs> sure. Zero. Uh, I just answered it for them. The answer, but I also think there was a That's noise issue. Fine. Did you guys notice the noise issue? A little bit of a noisy, high pitch issue. Maybe I, I can't hear high pitch. It was a high pitched noise really? in this entire film. Yeah. Uh, and also, I noticed some room tone issues. Some room tone going up and down. I think maybe mm. that could have been the process uh, yeah, of cobbling together different yeah. old films that maybe degraded the gain or the clip. You know, the the volume of just some inconsistencies. Of them. Yeah, inconsistencies. Yeah. I just I mean, this would have all been optical tracks too. So like, totally. Yeah. A couple things that I wanted to point out did a great job. Some of the sound design was really nice when they did the phone. The phone, and they didn't do this a lot, but you know, it's a simple thing. But when the phone was on the desk and the guy was talking through the phone, mm -hmm. we heard it as though it was diegetic. So basically, they added what's called a bandpass filter, mm -hmm. which cuts low frequency and high frequency. And sometimes I don't know if they did this then, but that you can also boost the mid range to give it the sound of a phone, which is great. We do it all the time now, and it takes a second. It's even like a preset in fucking Pro Tools. But you know, to do it back then required you to literally 
patch the cables together and boost the gain. And, you know, literally, I don't know, it's a little bit of more effort than it does now. So Someone standing with a loop and fucking... Yeah, yeah. with fucking tape. And, yep. you know, and they did it. So it sounded good. It was a nice little touch. Love that. And you guys all loved, by the way, the touch of when Aunt Vita went into the soundproof cell. Yes. And oh, as soon yeah. as the door <laughs> that left, was awesome. that the was sound went funny. away. That was just classic. And yeah. it was wonderful. And it was so simple. And something that every filmmaker can do. Yeah. You know, I love those moments where it's like, it's free, it's easy, just cut out the sound and it's funny as hell. Yep. Worked perfectly. It's just great. Yeah, great that's, moment. That's definitely a thing that is a clear choice and the other choice would have worked, but it wouldn't have had anywhere near the impact. Yeah, you could have muffled her sound. You yeah. could have totally had her dialogue and her... Mm -hmm. But this was funnier and it was just a bigger drop also in volume. And mm -hmm. even that, just that big dynamic range shift is mm -hmm. actually just funny to us for some reason. Just and a big shift mm -hmm. in volume. To me, that's one of the big problems with today's film comedy is that they don't actually use all of the creative aspects of film to incorporate into comedy. All of the comedy is in the scripts, the witty words that they say or the random improv, but we're not like utilizing those aspects of filmmaking to, you know, drive home jokes. Especially comedy is yeah. it's, it's the use of silence and mm -hmm. the rests. We always forget that, especially in music, right? Music has rests. There's no, you know, empty spaces in music. It's a specific moment where you're supposed to do nothing. And I think that's exactly right. In comedy, you need those timing moments and all that stuff. Uh, so continuing on my sound effects bullshit here, uh, the sound effects of the gate. Yeah. It was, it was used a lot. Okay, it was good. Yeah. It was pretty good. And I want to just, it was a great example of what's called hyperrealism, where it's obviously exaggerated for effect. Um, it's not realistic, but- It draws your attention. It draws your attention to it. And it, it obviously was needed to, because in the end of the movie, Harvey opens yep. the gate and- Plant uh, and payoff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Chekhov's gun. Well done. Um, yeah. Chekhov's um, gate. <laughs> there you go, sorry. Uh, okay, so let me just ask, add one more thing, not about necessarily sound, just bullshit I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. One, production design was fucking great. Yeah. Uh, amazing. It looked like it was a real mansion. I wasn't sure if you guys were- mm -hmm. It mm. was. It looked real. Oh, no, I, like, it I, I was real. just agreeing with you. It, it looked real. real. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'm pretty sure I recognized it from the uh, Universal Backlot. There was definitely Backlot shots. Yes. Yeah. But I think the indoors stuff with the mansion, some of that stuff. Oh, I assume that's all stage. Okay. Like just from the time, like, you know, location stuff wasn't a big thing back then. Like, yeah, maybe right. Cameras were, you know, big enough to fucking lug around. That's why they built studios. Either way, I, I, either way. Then they did a good job building that set because it looked great. Yeah. There was, and it reminded me of a craftsman house in uh, the Gamble House. I've never been to the Gamble House in Pasadena, but it's like a great place to go to see that style of architecture. Mm. And it really reminded me of that period of these rich people in that kind of turn of the century house and that kind of era. Um, obviously, it's not turn of the century, but that's that style. Okay, uh, one more thing. Rabbit. He said rabbit like, uh, oh, it's a rabbit. And he said, oh, she's a rabbit. Like, like it was a slang term. Mm. Yeah. I didn't realize what that meant. Oh, did you look that up? Looked it up. Obviously, it means a bunny, like an alluring young woman, oh. like a playboy bunny. Gotcha. I fucking okay. never knew that. Uh, I, it, that. That was a thing before Playboy made it a thing. Yeah. A rabbit oh. means a nice looking young woman. Like a chick or yeah. a bird. Yeah. I, 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 maybe that's a good thing. I didn't know that. Uh, you know. Didn't pass on the. Now, now you're going to go around calling people rabbits? I don't, rabbits? So. Rabbit. No. I don't think I'm going to start that. Trend. Start the, <laughs> restart it. My little Died bunny. in the 50s, comes back now. <laughs> uh, okay, one more thing. Uh -oh. I know you guys are going to. Just one more Actually, thing. Actually, no, I have a couple more. One, okay, tire <laughs> screeches. Every over here. goddamn time someone arrives at a. Oh, at yeah. a, at a the brakes <laughs> always squeal. Does the brake have to screech really yeah. loud to let you know they're there? Okay, fine. Mine now. did for the last year, but then I got the right brake pads and that fixed it. All right, fair enough. Mm -hmm. And you have to announce your arrival every time you <laughs> exactly. drive someplace, so whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, the Foley, uh, you loved 
to those door noises, Derek. You were laughing at the footsteps and the squeaks of the door noises. Yeah, yep. whatever. Sometimes it sells it, you know. <laughs> uh, one more thing. The crickets. Loved the crickets. They added the crickets at only one moment. Did you guys notice this? I don't think I Background sound of crickets. No. When the doctor is being chased by Harvey. Oh. So it's like obviously nighttime. It turns into a horror movie mm. and Harvey is, tra is tracking him through this, you know, and it was so great because it was the only time we hear these crickets. And that's so unrealistic, but I don't mind. It's, yeah. It just sells the moment. So I don't know, dug that a lot. Let's move on to uh, the visual aspects here. Yeah. I mean, I already talked a little bit about uh, what I like, just like the, the real sort of decision to put the camera here and block things out and show us this movie. Like, there was some subtle movement, but like it was a subtle movement into like still a wide shot. So like the one I'm thinking of is like when the uh, when the old aunt goes in to visit the doctor and there's this uh, basically it starts out with a two shot of them walking in the door and then it dollies back to just the over the shoulder. And we pretty much stay in that over the shoulder the whole time. But then or I'm sorry, we stay in that camera angle the whole time and then they move around and become, you know, different places as things sort of unfold there. Um, that was just kind of like how most of it played out like the camera was unobtrusive and like not calling attention to itself but just kind of like in the right place to show you the right thing at the right time well it was initially a stage play yeah yeah so yeah i mean that it certainly lends itself to that stagey blocking directing um but yeah it just the the crafting a good wide shot is is really just one of the hardest things to do anyone can do a good close-up but like filling a frame and like making sure that like the whole thing is like still appealing after a while is just a difficult thing to do. So, I mean, like all of these frames just held up no matter, you know, there was always something interesting to look at. There was always something moving into or out of frame. I don't know. Just, it, I think it was where it needed to be. What'd you think about the lighting? Felt a little sitcom-y, um, but it was, I think, right-ish for the time. Um, you know, today we would probably do it a little bit more dark, a little bit more Donnie Darko, um, but, uh, it would be, um, but do you think that was, you know, on purpose to make it more com comedic? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything is very high key. Everything is very like well lit and bright from pretty much all angles. We don't have a whole lot of shadow except for like breaking up backgrounds and stuff like that, but. I did notice that they uh, they used that beauty lighting, you know, when they had those they shots. They had a couple of, of shots where they'd cut in on her lady name. and everything was, was... Kelly. Yeah, they'd cut in on Kelly, yeah. like, with the, the almost tear welling in her eye as she's, like, looking up at the doctor and everything's, like, soft. And, it was yeah. exactly like the Casablanca yep. stuff with, uh, with Ingrid. Yeah, anytime... I mean, that was just... At that time, anytime you did a close-up of your beautiful actress, you... Yeah fucking fogged it up and <laughs> got it as soft as possible. But I also love that they were parodied, parodying that, mm -hmm. uh, the, just the lovey ro romantic stuff. That was kind of funny. Like between now, if, if that guy was a good actor, it would have been a great, uh, what's his name? The other doctor, the shitty, you know, six foot tall, mm. uh, oh, handsome yeah, do yeah, doctor. Yeah. He was awful, yeah. but she was not bad. Miss Kelly for what she was doing. Um, if he would give her something to you know, act with. It would yeah. be a kind of funny moment because she was really trying to like lay it on thick and like make fun of these, you know, these parts, like the, you know, these uh, women. Star, yeah, the women too. Yeah. yeah. And he was giving her nothing. It was a shame. Anyways. She did have some really like good little moments of like background acting too. Yeah. Like if you kept your eyes on her while like other shit yeah. was going on, like she'd have these like weird little like foot movements and like weird little like twitches that she'd do that were like, or you just, could tell she was just like in yeah. the moment and still like being that person while everything was going on around her. I also think her doe eyes for, um, 
Elwood. Yeah. Just constantly following him in the frame, you know, showing that she's in love with him for mm-hmm. the whole time, which is fucking great. Um, what else? What else? Do, uh, the Dolly movements I thought were kind of nice and smooth. I, th- I I didn't notice them too much. And when I did, I was just like, it reminded me of Sunset Boulevard. It was mm-hmm. just very like, okay, we're, we're moving in for a specific purpose. There's two people here, whatever. But it was smooth. It wasn't yeah. like- It's all that classy studio yeah, shit. Oh. It, it was definitely reminded me of, yeah. And I guess obviously it's that same year, same kind of era, same studio people and- yeah, I mean, it's also yeah. that the cameras were so huge, you couldn't really do fucking crazy handheld shit and, you know, get it in people's faces. Okay. So the technology dictates a bit of the style as well. Cool. Yeah. It definitely, like, only, like, one, only the last shot really I have much of a memory of, which mm. is a, 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 maybe a good thing about a movie. Nothing stands out. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I, I feel like at the same time, it, 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 it probably, uh, it's not on the same level of cinematography that some like Paths of Glory was, yeah. um, but it did I mean, its job. It did its job. It that you mentioned that ending, it. the one thing that like, I guess I found it's re- false. Well, yeah, that, yeah. Really super, poorly painted super backdrop. fake. Yeah. But, <laughs> but. I, the, the, I guess the biggest thing I found disappointing is there was never that shot of the shadow outline of the bunny. That like classic poster right. of Harvey with, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, shadow outline of the bunny with Jimmy Stewart standing next to it. I really expected as they were walking down that path at the end that we were going to see a glimpse of the ears or something in the shadow on the ground, but it never came. Yeah. It is strange that yeah. they didn't do that yeah. with the decision to have the doors open yeah, exactly, and all that kind yeah. of stuff, but not do that. Um, I heard, a, yeah, that was another thing I heard. Yeah about a story about with Jimmy Stewart. He was saying that I guess when they were doing it as a play, uh, about like almost to the end of the play, some kids stood up and said, where's the rabbit? <laughs> like, so, you know, and, and I imagine there was a lot of people who maybe got upset when this came out about the fact that the rabbit's not shown yeah, ever. Totally. There's only like a painting with the rabbit, yeah. you know? And that's not even to scale. No, no. it's not. No. Yeah, not at all. But he is wearing a belt. Yeah, that's true. He did have a belt and a cute little bow tie. Mm-hmm. As I, all rabbits should. Uh, were Were you guys expecting to see the rabbit, the two of you who haven't seen this? I was. Uh, I was expecting to see a quick little shot of it. No, because I didn't believe that the rabbit was there. Well, I thought we'd see it from his point of view. I thought we'd kind of see a, a fake rabbit somewhere. I did actually expect to see a full rabbit at some yeah. point. Oh, but, see, I didn't expect to see anything. Oh, okay. No. But that was before we started watching it. Once we started watching it, I only expected the shadow at some point. I, kind I still of, expected that totally. Yeah, I was I was stuck on the the like, you know. I, I guess I'm always looking for substance and stuff, even when it's not there. Mm. But I was really stuck on the commentary uh, of like, you know, who's you know, who is sane and and like what what's valuable about sanity, um, and uh, so I you know I. I kind of saw Harvey the entire time as a bit of a device more than a character. Mm. Well, who's saying? Who indeed? Because at at the end, you know, know, James Stewart's walking away from the sanitarium and the doctor that owns the sanitarium (laughs) or runs the place, uh, I forget his name, um, you know, doesn't want to leave and wants Harvey to stay with him. You know. Yeah. What do you think he's trying to say, the director? What indeed? I don't know. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I do know, but I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it kind of. So there's like a short story that I read one time, and it's like from like 
19 something, like uh, 1910, let's say, somewhere around in there, by a Japanese writer. And the the story is that there's this, uh, there's like a lake and, um, and this guy says that he saw like this dragon thing come out of the lake. And, uh, and so, uh, so he goes off after this. Uh, and then the guys who kind of own the lake determine that that's not a bad idea. You know, let's tell everybody that there was a dragon that came out of this lake. So then they Increased go, tourism. They, basically they go and they do this and people start to do, you know, believe in this thing or whatever. And these guys Just don't like believe Ness. in it at all. Mm. They don't think that it's a real thing. And then the story ends with a dragon flying out of the lake mm. and them just looking at it like, holy shit. <laughs> and, and so, and it's, and the story is really about kind of the fervor behind, uh, like how you can actually not believe in something, but then if enough people do and this whole kind of thing, then you can start to believe your own lie and stuff like that. Um, this is obviously not that because, you know, he, he has no ill intention with what he's doing. Mm. Uh, so instead, he's the like opposite. a genuinely good guy. Mm. Um, he's trying to spread mirth and joy. Yeah. And I think that maybe the fact that he's a genuinely good guy is part of what uh, causes this, you know, in some way. I think mm. if he was just some asshole <laughs> who believed in this thing, then then nobody would listen to him. They would have committed him. They would not be trying oh, to, yeah, yeah. you know, trying to to help the guy at all, for instance. So because he tips $5, he gets to stay out? Yes, yeah. essentially. Social engineering. Yeah. He's a good tipper. He is a good sure. tipper. Yeah. Was it $5? I thought it was, right? I thought I thought he gave him a 5 for a 250 fare. Yeah, 275. But yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Good That's tip. Pretty good. Yeah. good tip. That's hundred percent. Yeah, two seventy-five. Yeah, ninety something. Yeah, it's pretty damn close. But let's call it. Yeah, it's that, swell. It's a swell. Tip. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I, gas was thirty cents. I thought it was kind of weird. I just googled Puka to see stuff about Puka, and, <laughs> and uh, there's an episode of a horror anthology web series called Into the Dark that just aired in 2000, I'm sorry, in, in December 2018, and it's called Puka. <laughs> How weird is that? Like, like after all this time, now they're making like a gremlin-style horror movie about a puka? Hmm. It's kind of weird. Just happened in December. Hmm. I don't know. Kind of strange. So yeah. check out Puka. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. don't. Yeah, nice. don't. Yeah, don't, don't <laughs> nice drop for this thing that probably not good. No, it's probably not good. Uh, oh, wait, 75% of Rotten Tomatoes. Huh? Well, that's Well, something. you know, they're never wrong. Yeah, mm. this one had some like 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, something like that. Harvey? Yeah, Harvey. Mm. Hmm. Something like that. Not that Rotten Tomatoes is a skill for much of anything. That's just basically people who say, oh, see it or don't see it. Well, I believe yeah. every review I thumbs read. Up, yeah, thumbs did you come down. across any interesting reviews? I did, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, this is a good one. Do tell. Um, so, <laughs> so there's only one one star review from the IMDb. Mm. Uh, was which I will which I will read first, and then I got a better one. After a better that. one. A better one. A better one. Uh, so, uh, Fedor Eight <laughs> uh, says that Jimmy Stewart sees a giant rabbit, and it's just hilarious. Uh, hilarious being capitalized. So I think there's sarcasm here. Um, we need a sark mark. I don't know. Without an iota of doubt, one of the worst comedies ever made held high in the cinematic sky for unfathomable reasons by all the critics. 
There is also no doubt about another thing. If a movie were made today with this idiotic sophomoric script and with this kind of bad acting, for sure it would be dismissed by every critic as the unfunny crap that it is. The humor is juvenile, obvious, and predictable. The jokes are pathetic. Uh, and the characterizations have less credibility than a five-cent Mickey Mouse comic. Wait, what? This is scathing. Yeah. Five-cent Mickey Mouse comic? Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I thought this guy what was young, but now I'm getting old. This was 2007. The movie... I still don't think there were five-cent Mickey Mouse comics no, in 2007. not in 2007. Uh, the movie seems to plow through with difficulty. Uh, bad plot devices are constantly used to make the plot go one way or another. This is forgivable when a comedy is funny, but when it's this bad, it just stinks. Halfway through the movie, I it lost stinks. all interest in the proceedings. I could literally go through the whole movie scene by scene and explain in detail why the scenes or the gags bomb. Uh, we're talking hydrogen bombs here. But Ooh. doing that, tons, baby. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but doing that with an unfunny comedy is tiresome and depressing. Stewart is awful in a dull one-note role. Oh, fuck this guy for fuck the him. whole for the whole duration. <laughs> he just grins and spreads wise words of wisdom to his fellow bad actors while spewing out a number of shockingly unfunny lines. I've never seen Stewart in a role anywhere close to as bad as this, and this role is held. Is one of his best. Uh, the rest of the cast is even worse. There is plenty of that old school mugging. And while I can't He's entirely right blame the cast okay. for the lousy script, there is little effort on anyone's part to make more than more of this than the kind of Disney type comedy for prepubescence. Uh, that it turned out to be. This movie was supposed to be your typical Hollywood feel-good fantasy comedy. Yeah, how many, how many fantasy comedies were they thing? making then? Anyway, uh, they didn't entirely fail in that. Oh, wait, what? They didn't entirely fail in that. <laughs> so uh, he felt good? He felt, yeah, I felt good when <laughs> pressing the forward button <laughs> on the remote control. Is that for real? Yes, that's for real. <laughs> How this malarkey made it into IMDb's top 250 films list, which, yeah, if you ever guys want to check out that list, that's mm. a, that's a pretty, I mean, it's hard not to get on that list, apparently. It's questionable. It's interesting. Um, is a mystery, which I'll need to solve at some point. So he's, he's going to solve this mystery for wow, us, guys. Wow, so detective. Just hold, hold on. <laughs> he's not done yet. <laughs> wait to hear Leonard, his report. <laughs> Leonard Maltin, the film nerd, <laughs> said that Stewart gives one of his best performances. That is a misleading statement. Stewart's best is another actor's worst. <laughs> By the way, this review has a one of, I don't know, he goes off about, you know, this, yeah. this review has a one of 12 usefulness rating, not a one of eight. You see some strange Jimmy Stewart fan had it chucked away for a while. Those four no votes should never be forgotten. Thanks for clicking no. Never it's forget. been a pleasure. Never forget those yeah, four votes. Can we get this, this guy on the pod? <laughs> really, really. Fade or eight, where are you? Right, sir? really. They'll yeah. never be forgotten, those four votes. <laughs> those four votes will live on. <laughs> All right. Somebody agreed with me somewhere. So, uh, so Zzag, two out of ten stars. A little shorter review here. Uh -huh. uh, I understand. Thanks. Brevity's yeah, the soul of wit. Says long, boring, awful. <laughs> uh, I understand the whimsical <laughs> of nature three. of the story 
and the purported deeper questions like who were the sane ones? Who really are the happy ones? Also, I love Jimmy Stewart as an actor. Once again, he is fantastic, but the story is flat out stupid. Okay, I like this guy. You will wait and wait for something interesting to happen, and you will be disappointed. So boring and stupid. It is one of those movies where you hope that something that some amazing ending will come to save the little movie, but no, just more disappointment as the end just simply comes. I smiled Ew. a couple of times, <laughs> but otherwise, it was a long, boring movie and a complete waste of time. Watch any other Jimmy Stewart movie for the 20th time Damn. before watching this drivel. This drivel. It's not bad. Not a bad yeah. opinion there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got yeah, a couple of points. Getting, he's got the he's got the point on what the movie's point is, which is like who are the sane ones? Yeah. Who yeah. are the happy ones? He recognized you know? it, he just didn't like it. He correctly yeah. identified Jimmy Stewart as the shining star of this oh, yeah. correct. Otherwise yeah. not. So basically just like, no, 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 I get it. I get it, guys, but it sucks. I That's get it. Said. It's not that I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a, yeah. He's an observant one. Yeah. yeah. So how would you guys rate it? Derek. <laughs> oh no, I gotta go first. <laughs> I made it, so all right. Fine. Um, I'm gonna give this one a um Seven out of twelve. Okay. Uh, it's over the fifty percent mark. Yeah, uh, in that it is, uh, it has got some redeeming qualities to it. I think it's got some humorous stuff in there. It's got a line such as this one, which I'm going to read now. Um, if I find it, look at that. I uh, here we go. Here we go. So, uh, doubt at one part. Uh, breaking up a fight basically says, may I intercede for my friend's youth and high spirits? Mm. Time will take care of that. <laughs> I believe that that is a excellent line. Yeah. That is the reason why it gets over the 50% mark. As that well one as line. A, that, that one line will bring your movie over the 50% cent mar mark, in mm. my opinion. A diamond uh, in the There's rough. a yeah, few a other line. good ones too. I mean, uh, um, that whole trauma of being born thing that we mm. already said, uh, that's the one we never get over. Uh, you know, which is pretty funny. That's well, I just funny loved too. his res his continual response, almost yeah. a catchphrase to uh, "What can I do for you?" Which yeah. is, "What do you have in mind?" Yes, <laughs> like, yes. I mean, it's just yeah. It, it's a subtle like turn of phrase, but it like really says a lot about that specific character. Yep, absolutely. So, so I still say, uh, I say, I say, see it if you got the time, but uh, if you know. If you only see in a certain number of movies before you die, uh, you could maybe leave it off the list. Right on. Chafa. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it, uh, we'll say, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide between three and a half and four out of five stars. But somewhere in that range, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle on four stars just because of the amount I laughed at the first half of this movie. The laughs did die down a little bit uh, once. Um, we get to the hospital and everything, but there was a consistent amount of quality lines and humor throughout a lot of this. And uh, I do give high marks for humor. So putting it over the edge to that fourth star, uh, yeah, humor. Okay. Um, I will give this six out of 10. Uh, similar to Derek, I think this is slightly above average. There's honestly not a lot of redeeming stuff here. There's, it does make you question mental illness. It does make you question uh, how we treat our family members when they do uh, may possibly lose their mind. 
But uh, there's a lot of horrible stuff in there too, honestly. And it made me feel really honestly cringy. I was like moving, squirming in my seat for a good 15 minutes of this movie and did mm. not make me feel good. Uh, but honestly, if you're an actor, you could just maybe YouTube um, Jimmy Stewart's scenes. Just watch him. Like that's the deal here. Yeah. That's but what Ali's you got to watch. Really good. That Ali scene is really good. Yeah. I'll give you one more scene I thought was fantastic. When he was in the car with his driver named Henry. Yes. Yes. The who's guys, on first. Yeah. It, was a, it was a fantastic who's on first. And it was so simple. Harvey, Henry, Henry. It was just yeah. nice. And it was so well done. Again, I, I don't need a lot. I, if it's just a simple, funny joke and it makes me giggle, I'll take it. Yep. Uh, and that was, and it did its job. Um, and Jimmy Stewart again, God damn, you're good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're good. Uh, every scene, every line, I was into it. Um, yeah, just watch it for him. But again, maybe you know, maybe YouTube, YouTube some of his scenes. How about that? You don't have to watch the movie. YouTube his scenes. Yeah. His space work too, like his consciousness of Harvey at all times. And yeah, like, yeah, it's just you know, masterclass. Yeah. Yep. Mr. Can, Snow, I'll give it a wink, but I will not give it a nod. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoy. You know, I thought I, I thought while I was watching the film, I thought like, oh, this is what the cheap comedy was back then. Mm. Um, but it was well done. Yeah. You know, and uh, you By know, cheap like, you mean inexpensive or like no, cheap, cheap shot? Cheap as in like you know they weren't afraid to go for the low hanging fruit, mm. and and also you know a lot of the a lot of the humor was uh, what I was expecting. Mm. You know, out of the scene after the scene began, um, but uh, yeah, you know, Jimmy Stewart's performance was fantastic. I think we were all spellbound by that. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, there, there, there were you know the sensibility of the film was off, but probably on for the time. Mm. You know, which doesn't speak highly of the time. <laughs> uh, what do you mean, make America great again? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, yeah, that's what, that's what he does. <laughs> he just you know, really uh, takes the wind up my sails. That was no a perfect, more perfect example of what I a mean, MAGA troll will do. Well, but though at the same time, uh, Doctor Chumley did have an ill-fitting suit on, Dr. which is Chumley. the modern-day equivalent of America as well. Ill-fitting suits—they're making a His comeback. His hair's all fucked up. Yeah, his hair's screwed up. Right. Suit doesn't fit right. Believing in bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, so if you want to find your own uh, Harvey, it's on. Uh, he's on Fairfax between 18th and 19th Street. Apparently, is right. that a real place or is that not a real place? Like, yeah. was uh, it supposed to be intersect? a city? I, I couldn't figure that out. Yeah, I I felt like it was supposed to be L.A. Yeah. I thought so too. Fairfax, yeah. L.A. Fairfax, yeah. L.A. Twelfth and Main's got to well, be downtown. downtown. Like, you have to remember when L.A. was first built. We it was built around the downtown, and then like we kind of fucked up things and made uh, Hollywood more the yeah. central part of it. But like, it is literally designed. We're, we're designed as a wheel and spoke, so we're designed to be able to get in and out of downtown <laughs> as efficiently <laughs> as possible. <laughs> but, this yeah. was farmland. Oh, this actually, actually, actually right yeah. This, I'm sorry, you said get in and place. out of downtown. I just couldn't imagine someone doing that well it's because we didn't actually center all of our stuff downtown mm -hmm. so if we were all going downtown and then going out of downtown at night the system would have worked but like we put all of the stuff that everyone wanted to go to not downtown so it fucked up the whole, the whole yeah. system they so, found out too late that downtown's a shithole yeah basically so oddly Turned enough it into Skid Row. uh 19th street uh, is no longer 19th Street, but mm. Fairfax and uh, 18th Street is still really a thing. It's down, uh, looks like, near some kind of Los Angeles Center for Enriched Studies. Hmm. Uh, and we invite any of the listeners to go down and take a look. Yeah, just and hang send out us there. An email and, What's you know, Wilshire? Let us know Wilshire's your like thoughts. 10th? 
Wilshire's like ninth or tenth. So Wilshire's like Wilshire? no, yeah, Wilshire's uh, north of seventh. L.A. show ever seventh yeah. and eighth. <laughs> <laughs> It's an yeah. international show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got 92 listeners. Hey, they might be from Sweden. And they, they want to know about Fairfax and 19th. Yeah. Who well. could be that 93rd? Call your friends. <laughs> Fuck Hastidious. Tell your... T- <laughs> about that. Yeah, I'm gonna piss now. I gotta piss up. Thank you for joining us on the wonderful show. Uh, you can check out all the shows at the Fallcast Networks, fallcast.com. Um, check out Twitter, our Sean? Twitter. Yeah, we're uh, Celluloid Breakdown. It's actually at Celluloid Break. Uh, I think you can search for Celluloid Breakdown, but it, yeah, the actual Twitter handles are too short for that. Um, but yeah, you can check out our, our random movie oh, reviews I there. That. and. Oh, sorry. Geez. Nice background music. Wow. I liked it. Keep oh, it going damn. for the the plugs. Okay. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah. Keep some interest. Background in. sorry. plug. You music. can check out all of us on uh, on the Twitters. We got Joseph Bonnier at J O E B O N I E R. We got Mr. Derek Laporte, and uh, it's just at Derek Laporte, right? I think so. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm usually more at text before calling. So yeah. yeah, if you want me there, and then Tim, you I think we also him. have letterboxed oh, yeah, accounts yeah. as well. Mm. So Sean is something at it. Uh, I'm Rex Luna, but those are all filtering to the Twitter so you can just okay. catch me there it's easier cool, cool. how about a break <laughs> how about, sorry guys <laughs> how about uh awkward pause yeah let's end on that